Mark chapter number 6. And we're starting verse number 7. Mark chapter 6, verse number 7. The title message is The Master's Men. The Master's Men. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 7. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said to them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off uh, the, sorry, I lost my place, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. There they send you, it shall be more uh, tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should be, should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time to be in your house. Lord, thank for these people that made it a priority to be here this morning. And Lord, I pray the message and what's already taken place would be an encouragement to them. And Lord, move in our hearts. Allow us to be more like you. And Lord, help us to be men and women wanting and desiring to serve you. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. I've always been intrigued and enjoyed reading about the disciples. I've obviously read the Bible numerous times, and I have read numerous books about the disciples. Uh, To say that they were quite characters, a bunch of them, unique gathering of men, would be a slight understatement. These guys were different, all right? Uh, just for a moment, let's consider them. Uh, we're not going to go through all of them name by name, but some were fishermen. Uh, one was a former tax collector uh, for Rome. I'm sure he got an earful from his compatriots on numerous times, okay? You charged me too much tax in the past. Don't we all complain about taxes? Yeah, so if we had one of our friends or compadres who were in the tax realm, we would give them trouble. All right, uh, one, uh, more than one, few of them had some quick tempers. Uh, one of them was a revolutionary. One was a traitor. And not a believer at all. All were very common. Okay? All common men. Uh, these men lacked some spiritual, lacked a lot of spiritual understanding. They lacked humility. Uh, they lacked faith in numerous times. They struggled with commitment. Uh, they were liking to provoke each other. This part, we know they're really men, don't we? They like to provoke each other. You know, numerous times in the scriptures you see them just poking and prodding at each other, you know, and, uh, then they lashed out at people. That quick tempered thing came back again and saying the wrong things and, and I'm not going to go through all their failures, but in spite of their weaknesses, the Lord used them in great ways, amen? And it gives me encouragement today to know that God used them, He can use me too. Because I'm no different than them. You know, though they're Way born way before my time, the Lord used them. He can use me and He can use you. He can use any type of person. And that's a wonderful blessing to me. Jesus called these men to follow Him back in Mark chapter 3. And there's other portions in the Gospels as well. And now they've been following Jesus for 
a while and they've been listening to him. They've heard him preach and teach. They watched him perform miracles. Uh, since he called them, they were in a pretty intense, if you want to use the term, Bible college setting. You know, they were getting some training and hands-on and that as well. And what we're going to look at this morning was definitely taking what the Lord had taught them and bringing it to the masses. And uh, can you imagine seeing the Lord perform a miracle? It must have been amazing. Can you imagine being in the boat and you're thinking you're going to sink and these are seasoned fishermen aboard the boat, seasoned sailors, and they think it's going to sink and all of a sudden there's no wind and the it's like glass. Man, that must have been amazing. Totally unbelievable. And this passage we have here, though, the Lord is commissioning them, is commissioning His disciples to go out, to reach out to those around them. So, first of all, is the assignment of the twelve. Number one, the assignment of the twelve in verse number seven. And He called unto Him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Jesus calls His men together and sends them out on a preaching mission, right? preaching engagements. And He sent them out two by two and He gave them power to cast out the demons as well. And Let's consider their mission a little bit. They were sent out two by two. So these men were paired up. Now, we're not going to go there and read it for time's sake, but I would encourage you to do this. Is Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 and 4. It talks about this one and this one and this one and this one. So that could have been a pairing. Uh, that took place. We don't know for sure. Uh, but as I read about that and I was thinking about it, I mean, imagine you being the partner with Judas Iscariot. Now, he's your partner. Ugh. You know, but these, all these men went out two by two. And the reason Jesus sent them that way is for fulfillment of requirements of the law for every testimony to be established by the words of two. You find in Deuteronomy chapter 17, chapter 19, and Numbers 35. So that was very important to the Jewish people to follow the law, and that's what the Lord was doing here. And we provide uh, men with the companionship and encouragement, don't you think? You know, it's hey, man, I mean, you go, I mean, let's just think of it this way in our realm. We go to a door. I'm going with Pastor Tisa, and a guy opens the door, and I say, "My name is Pastor Alcock." I blah, 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 yells and screams at me. All right. Well, I don't have to worry that Pastor Tisa is going to turn around and yell and scream at me. Am I? <laughs> He's going to be like, "Oh man, that's well, let's pray." You know, let's get encouraged again. You know, that's what these men were doing for each other. Uh, it would, it would, it's definitely a method that the early church used, uh, uh, and they got that example from Jesus. You find that in Acts chapter 13. And it's still the best method today. You know, uh, I mean, it's great to have eight people with you, but eight people on doorstep looks highly suspicious, doesn't it? I mean, it's just not the right way to do it. Two, not a problem. You know, uh, but the idea is it's a great way to encourage us. And let's face it, we, there's all kinds of weird and wild things that come to the door. And, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about necessarily people, but ideas that they bring to you. And like, well, I've never heard that. Well, your partner might have and helped you get through it, you know, and give some scripture, give some insight, whatever the case. And that's encouragement for us as we go. We're told that Jesus gave them power. That particular word refers to inherit power. It means the idea of someone possessing the right to do a thing and having the power to carry it out. They were, they had the right to do it and they had the power to carry it out. And this was the Lord extending Himself in them as they ministered in the countryside and to those around Him. You know, when Jesus saves a soul, He gives them the power to carry His message, does He not? When someone gets saved, they have been empowered to carry His message 
to their world, to those around them. They might never get to China or Japan or Australia, but they can carry the gospel to their world, to those within their sphere of influence. And though we might feel inadequate on times for the task, he, we can rest that He'll give us the power. He wants His message to go forth, amen? He wants His message to go forth, so He'll empower us. He's not like, well, I don't really know if I want the message. No, the Lord wants the message to go forth. So He'll empower His children uh, to speak. And we might be weak in our words, and we might be shy, and, and we might think our testimony lacks power, but when we go to the power of Jesus Christ, we have enough power. We do it in our own strength and we're in, we're in trouble. But we ask the Lord to help us. He'll give us the strength to get the job done. Number two, the directive of the twelve. We saw the assignment and the directive. Verse number eight. And commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff, only no script, uh, no bread, no money in their purse, but they shod with sandals and not to put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. So part of the commissioning, and this is important, the Lord gives them some very detailed, very specific commands. Have you ever been in a job where the God tells you what to do and doesn't tell you how to do it? You know, these, He doesn't give you any parameters. Uh, I'm going to relay a story. I know there's someone in this in this room, we had a similar event take place, but I remember we were told to clean up an area in a shop, and uh, we were supposed to sweep it. So this was when I was, uh, you know, 24. So I did not have as much wisdom as I do now have. You're supposed to laugh, but at any rate, um, uh, so we are sweeping the floor. And, you know, this is a huge room. It's, it's probably twice as big as this, and we're like, we got to find a way that's better than this. This is going to take too much time. And you know what we saw on the wall was a fire. Extinguisher, but with that big line, you know, hooked up to the main, you know, you know what I'm talking about? I, I think it's, I think some of you know what I'm talking about. It's hooked up to the main line, so all you gotta do is open up that hose and just spray it. You know? And, uh, so we're, we're like, man, we are geniuses! So we're reveling, and we're kind of feeling like firemen too, so we're hauling it all out, you know? And we're setting it up, and like, we're strategically, you now if I spray it this way, and, and you know, it was, we were about ready to pull back on that, Line and we, I don't know what would have happened, but in walks the boss. I mean, if any of the Lord did provide the boss to show up at the right time, it was right then. So he, he stepped in the door and he goes, what are you doing? And we're like, well, you told us to clean. And a face on that man I will never forget. Put it away. Keep sweeping. All right, so aren't you glad when someone tells you the parameters and which way you need to do something? And the Lord lays it out for His disciples what they should do. In verses 8 and 9, they're told to take nothing for their journey. Take a walking stick, which has been really important in that day. They don't have nice trails like we have today or roads and shoes for their feet and clothes on their back, but not take anything else. That skip that idea is a traveler's bag. They weren't to take that. They weren't to take any... Money, that's, that's okay for me, but I would really have a problem with no food. Uh, you, you know me, I love my food, so I would be, that would be a step of faith for me. But at any rate, uh, there are a couple of thoughts here that we need to consider. The, the idea here is that uh, they were to, to go where they were supposed to go without making any special preparations with the understanding that the Lord's going to take care of them as they go. 
You know, that, that was the idea here. The, the Lord didn't want them to use all their strength and ability to put this thing together. He wanted them to trust Him. As they went, He would take care of it. And that's still God's plan for His people today. We're saved by faith and the Lord expects us to live by faith. That's what He wants. He wants us to walk complete dependence on Him and on His power to supply our needs. If the Lord sends it out in His service, we can trust Him to take care of us. Amen? He'll take care of us as we go. And I've seen the Lord do that for me countless times in my own life and ministry. Now, I understand that the culture and the society we live, we are blessed beyond measure here in North America and Canada. We have so much to be thankful for. Uh, I, I can never say that I've been without food in my home in the years of ministry. But I'll tell you, sometimes it's been pretty bare. But the Lord provided everything I needed. Now, now, it wasn't the steak that I would have liked, but it was the oatmeal that I needed. You don't understand what I'm saying? The Lord provides. He takes care of. I can take a time on deputation and driving through uh, uh, Alberta out there one time and we didn't have much money left at the time. It was like the middle, towards the end of the month, so we're waiting for our next support check to come in. And, uh, and we stayed in a hotel and, uh, you know, the best that we could get for the price and things. We were not camping. I'll never do that again. Uh, we, uh, we were getting up that morning, that night we went to church and the guys said, come to my restaurant the next morning. I was like, sure, great. I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. He paid for, he, or, he told me before we ordered, eat, order what you want. That is a really bad idea with me at that time. And he said, order what you want and I'll pay for it. Thank you so much. And then he slipped me a hundred dollar bill as I walked out the door. The Lord provides. He takes care of His children. And Now, with that said, we're not to be foolish with our resources either. We need to be wise stewards. Uh, the Lord does meet our needs, but that's not the idea that, uh, you know, I got that $100, then I went to the downtown Lethbridge and gave it all out to the poor there. I mean, I was taking care of my family and making sure our needs were met. So the Lord gives us what we need. We need to be wise with it. Uh, and we're not to squander the things the Lord gives us. And, uh, you know, sometimes the Lord gives us a little bit extra to help us get through a, a bit of a drier spot. You understand what I'm saying? A, a spot that's a little bit uh, more hard. You know, sometimes He does that. There, there are two uh, principles that we don't want to miss here. Uh, always be wise stewards of the wealth that God blesses you with and always trust the Lord to take care of you. You know, the Lord uh, wants us to be wise stewards what He gives us and trust Him that He'll take care of us. And there's an idea here of urgency. Don't you see it in these verses? He's telling them what to do and then go. No, don't uh, convene a special uh, conference on how to minister in the first century. It was to go. Now, I understand the need of conferences. They're great and they're encouraging. But at this time, the Lord says, I want you to go now. The fields are white, ready for harvest. Uh, you know, and, and we need to, the world needs to hear it, don't you think? The world needs to hear it then, it needs to hear it now. And they were told to take only one coat. In that day, you know, the rich could afford two coats. One coat was all the common man would have. And Jesus wanted these men to come across as common men, and they were. And He wanted them to reach. Now, we need to be careful as individual believers who have been saved for some time, that we don't uh, get around lost individuals and maybe stick our nose up a little bit. I am righteous. I'm righteous. You are not. No. Remember the day when you weren't righteous? Remember the day that you were just like them? 
And, and, and the, you remember the day that you found out about Jesus? And you knew how where you were going with your life? Hey, we need to be, for lack of a better word, transported back there once in a while to remember. Hey, they're living that way because they don't know any different. They need to need, they need to see the love of Jesus. They need to know what Jesus can do. That we need to come to them and say, hey, you need to know about Jesus. And, and, and listen, we are no, we are no different than them except we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we get to tell them about Him. We are no better. They need to hear the gospel. We were just like them not so long ago. Apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, we'd still be there. We'd still be there. They were to accept the hospitality of the local people, where, wherever they, they could, to abide and stay there, or wherever they were invited. They, they weren't to, to go in and uh, check out all the accommodations and look for the whirlpool and the nice sunroof and the... No. Whoever opened their home, that's where they stay. That's the idea the Lord's laying out to them. Because this is urgent. Don't waste your time on other things. He was trying to get them to think that the message is important. I'd be happy where they were. They weren't to look for more comfort, creature, creature comforts or whatever the idea there. They just serve the Lord. And, and man, I'm, I'm, it's a shame. It's shameful. It's wrong that we see so many, uh, and I want to use this word, so-called Christian uh, leaders in our world, our Western world, living like kings. You know, they, they live like kings while their people struggle to support their lifestyle. That's shameful. The, the television preachers of our era with their planes and their air-conditioned dog houses and their fancy cars and their palaces, and some of them actually own airports. I mean, come on! That just drastically affects this generation, and it doesn't do it in a positive nature, does it? I'm sure you've met people, because I know I have, who, you know, I try to witness, oh, are you one of those people? And it's never like, wow, I really want to be involved with that. It's like, that's disgusting. And they're absolutely right. That is disgusting. No, we need to be uh, looking to the Lord to take care of us. The Christian life is not about being comfortable. Sometimes life's just not comfortable, is it? It just isn't. It's not the way we always wanted to be. Uh, it, you know, uh, I know that uh, in the ministry, and I know that they're specifically speaking here, uh, the Lord's speaking about material things. You know, uh, but in the realm of the spiritual, uh, as you're serving the Lord, sometimes you have to confront individuals about errors, and that's not fun either. Well, we need to trust the Lord. I'm not saying you can't have a, a nice uh, mattress. Oh, I love my mattress. I'm keeping it as long as I can. You know, we're not talking about that you got to lay in the dirt every night. No, but the idea is that we don't expect as a Christian life to be all ease. That's not what the Lord promises. He promises to take care of us, though, doesn't He? You take care of our needs, not all of our wants. We need to get. We need to have a heart that's grateful and be content with such things as we have and such things He provides. Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have, have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know, uh, I recently was talking to Pastor Thiessen, and just with all the transition and things, and he made a statement that he doesn't know, but I've been telling everybody. All right? And that is, he's talking about, I'd rather serve the Lord and people than things. I got that written down somewhere, preacher, so you're probably going to hear it on some of my more messages. <laughs> I think it's great. Because I see so many people who serve things. They never serve people. 
Or if they do, it's very limited because the things drive them away. No, we need to serve the Lord. We need to serve the Lord. And as pastors and pastor, uh, regardless of our pay package, we, we don't look to the church for our source of resources. We look to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who takes care of us. Just like He takes care of the individual in the pew, He takes care of the pastor. Amen? That's the way He works. And we can trust Him. We can trust Him. When the disciples entered a, a village and, and, and they messengers preached there in verse number 11, and, what, sorry, uh, and whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when you depart thence, shake off the dust on your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. They were to shake off their du- the dust off their sandals at that city or town rejected the message. Now, I-, I did not know this until recently. This is a Jewish custom that they would often do when returning on a journey from a pagan land. Uh, they-, they would uh, cross back into Israel. I won't take your- my shoes off, and you be thankful I don't. And uh, take it off, and they'd shake the dust off their feet, off both, uh, you know, get it all off. The idea is that they- they're totally disassociation with the-, the pagans that they had dealt with. They don't even want their dirt going any further. It was total dissociation. I have nothing to do with them. Now, make sure there was none on your clothes. Get it off the pants. Take it off the shoes. Ah, I'm now in Israel. Ah, Good to be home. That was the idea. And the Lord is saying that, you know, these men, the cities that rejected the gospel would face a harsh punishment someday. In fact, their punishment would exceed the judgment that fell on the ancient city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we know Sodom and Gomorrah were not good places, right? They were bad. But, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah really didn't have a very good testimony in their town, did they? One wayward believer named Lot. If there was ever a good terminology for a compromiser, it would be Lot. Compromised on everything, never stood for anything. Compromised everything, stood for nothing. So that's all the witness that those towns, Sodom and Gomorrah, had. These villages had the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in the form of His disciples show up and proclaim the Word. And they rejected. That's why the judgment is so hard. That's why it's so harsh for the rejection of His salvation. Now, the message of the disciples was a message of hope and salvation. However, those who rejected the offer of salvation were given a message of judgment. If you reject it, there's a consequence. The message of MIBC is also a message of hope and salvation. Amen? That's what we are proclaiming. We're pointing the way to Jesus Christ. We're extending the free gift of salvation to all who would come. We're pointing the way to heaven. This is the way to heaven. This is the way you need to live. But we must never neglect the warning to sinners of a place called hell. No one likes that message today. We are ridiculed for preaching that, that there's a literal place called hell where souls are lost for eternity, suffer there. Many will say we're out of step with the modern world. Others will mock that we preach Jesus and their need for them, or for, for Jesus. Let me say, let them say what they will, but the truth still stands. It still stands. It doesn't change what God's Word says. God's Word says. Men change. Churches change. Countries change. and Cultures change. But Jesus never changes. And His Word says it 
And it's true. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And the only way into heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. It's not Jesus plus anything else. It's Jesus alone. He is the way. And the only way to avoid hell is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. You find that in John chapter 5, verse 24. That's our testimony because that is the truth. That's what it is. That's our testimony because it's the truth. The message of the twelve. Verse number twelve. And they went out and preached that men should repent. The message of the twelve was a simple, straightforward message. It was a message that we that can be understood by all who hear it. The men preached, the twelve disciples preached, that men should repent. The word means to change one's mind for better. Hardly to amend abhorrences of one past sins. He refers to a change of mind that leads to a change of action. It literally means be converted. When genuine repentance takes place, the change in a person's life is radical. It is powerful. Is one, and most of the time, repentance, when you hear it, it, it's in the, the sense of, if you want to use the word negative, people are told they need to stop doing a certain thing because, and then, and that's true, right? That's absolutely true. You need to stop doing what you're doing. But repentance is more than that. Repentance has both a, if you don't want to use stop, and it has a negative or a positive uh, aspect. Repentance looks backwards and it looks forward. It looks back and says, man, I, I, I need to stop doing those things. They are wrong. I should not have done that. And now I need to begin doing things that I should do. So in the realm of Christianity, when we say a man needs to repent or a lady needs to repent, I repent, I change from doing this way. And I'll give you an example of my own life. I thought I was a pretty good guy. and I lived a moral life. had a really good family. We went to church. But I stopped trusting, so I repented. I no longer trusted in those things that get me to heaven. Now I repent and trust in Jesus Christ and I led a different direction. Amen? That's the way it works. There's no way that I could sit down and remember everything I did wrong. That's not what the reference is. It's to understand that I am trusting in something that's not Jesus because He's the only way. So I'm changing from this, whatever this is. Jesus is it. And I'm going to follow Him. I'm following Him. I'm going to stop living a life of sin and in my own selfishness, in my own way, think I can get to heaven, and I'm going to start living for Jesus. I'm going to live a life of righteousness or with His help, and live a life of holiness. And repentance arises out of a heart that's sorry for its wrongs it's committing. So sorrow produces a desire to change. I'm sure you've dealt with children and teenagers maybe an adult or two, but we won't get into the adult world. Uh, I don't want everyone mad at me today when I go home, but anyways, uh, that we, someone does something wrong, and you say, say you're sorry. Because they did wrong, right? You know, you smack Bobby in the face. Bad boy. Say sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, you've seen it. And you turn your back, and you look back, and here's Bob ready to smack Joey again. I just told you to be... 
Well, the reality, we're, we're, we're manually conforming that individual to no longer smack. And he, that's right, we need to. But we need to come in our place in our heart and life that we are sorry for what we did. That guilt is there from the Lord and we get it right. And keep serving the Lord. Genuine biblical repentance is amazing and I would love to see more of it. Amen? Amen. People just getting things right with the Lord and, and that's saying, I'm sorry, but she made me do it. See, kids do it all the time, right? Sad, I see a lot of adults doing that too. It's his fault. I did it, but it's his fault. No, it's not. It's your fault. Get it taken care of. Repent. Serve the Lord and see the Lord do great things in your life. There's many, there's not many voices calling for repentance in these days. Uh, most people don't like being told they're wrong. I don't like being told I'm wrong, to be quite honest with you. But I need to be told. Yeah, I certainly do. And I need to change it. And you hear him to tell you today that you'll never have blessings on your life until you repent and get things right with the Lord. You won't. You won't have the blessings of the Lord. One of the characteristics of the new birth is a changed life. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Praise the Lord for that verse. And that many churches today, many pulpits and organizations say that's not what it is. It's different. Hey, I just told you a little while ago the Lord doesn't change. Amen? His message is still the same. The Lord still commands sinners to repent of their sins and if they want to be saved from their sins. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. That's in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. That truth applies to me, applies to you. applies to everyone in the world. Repentance is essential for a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. It's essential. The ministry of the twelve. Verse number 13, They cast out many devils anointed with oil, many that were sick and healed them. The disciples went out in the power of the Savior and they saw Him move and work in great power and glory. Now God confirmed, or the Lord used these men in a very unique and powerful way. Uh, when the Lord, uh, what the Lord did to them was what we would know as sign gifts. That's the manifestation of His power designed to give authority to His message. In that day, they did not have the complete Word of God like we hold in our hands today. They did not have this. Alright, they didn't. And they needed proof of the message. And God proved His message by working in powerful, clear miracles among the people. In our day, we will see the Lord confirm His Word by changed lives. Amen? And we see God's Word. We can read it and see that it's true. When the message is preached and shared in His power, we see people get saved, we see lives changed, and we say, glory to God, it's by His power that things are changed. We have testimony times and someone will get up and say, I've been saved for X amount of years and it's by God's grace. Well, that's giving God evidence, manifestation of God's power, is it not? By the man, by our human instruments, our mouths saying, this is the Lord did this. The miracle of salvation. Man, it's great, isn't it? It's amazing. This week we, I hope you did not look at the solar eclipse, but it happened, didn't it? If you looked at it, you probably don't see me so well right now. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, it happened. And that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, just how... You know, they were trying to explain on the, on the news how this thing happens and, you know, what? That's amazing. That's all I'm the, that's the Lord. <laughs> Alright, he, he built this world and 
And to think about, you know, the Lord didn't use His hands to make it. He just spoke it into existence. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I got to see some wonderful creation this past summer going out east and seeing some mountains and the ocean. And, oh, man, it's beautiful. And, and, and I, it awes. It's in awe when I see those things. And, you know, and sometimes my wife would be like, hey, 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 eyes on the road, buddy. <laughs> As I'm driving, I'm like, wow, look at that mountain. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, and it's amazing, and I love it. But you know what the greatest miracle is? Salvation. Salvation. How can you? How can we get our minds around the Lord leaving heaven for us, the Son of God, come to earth for us? Us! You! This whole world! Leave the portals of glory to come here to consider the love that He had for us. And at that time and, and that stage, we didn't, we didn't love Him. We hated Him. It's amazing grace that He would die on the cross to redeem me and you from our sins is really indescribable. What amazing work. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, with, uh, stricken smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. To think that he would save people who are trapped in their sins, that he would care, is truly amazing. It's hard to comprehend. He loves us so much. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is a life-changing, soul-saving Savior. Amen? Now, I don't know, recently, I don't know why I've seen this more, but I've heard more of this phrase, uh, game-changer. It's a game-changer. You know, they, they put in the, this player, he's a game-changer uh, in this financial uh, situation. It's a game-changer for this business. Jesus Christ is a life-changing Savior. He's not a game-changer. He's a life-saver. He changes, He saves your life. One of the most amazing truths that we see here is that you know, Jesus was healing and preaching the truth. Then He utilizes the twelve. Jesus wants us to be involved in the ministry. He wants us to be involved in the ministry. And we all have unique gifts and abilities. When you hear His call... You better accept His commission. Amen? He calls you to do something, you better do it. Walk in faith. It's going to take some faith. Hey, folks, you see that right before us right now. Pastor T said, knows the Lord has called him to do something. And he stepped up with faith. And this morning he gives a testimony that the Lord is doing. Amen? That's an indication of the Lord honoring His step of faith. And we're all going to show up, right? All at the one time at your house for supper. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but the reality is, Steph, it takes faith. 
And, and the reality is the message that we have of the Lord Jesus Christ, His life-changing message, it needs to be proclaimed in our community here, around our, our city, the GTA, in our country, our world needs to hear about Jesus. Oh, and I think if we'll be willing to do all those things, the Lord will honor our efforts. And it's not because we deserve the honor. He deserves the honor. Amen? He deserves it. But He'll honor those who'll serve Him and step out by faith to do what He tells them. And the Lord will bless. And we, and the greatest thing is, we get to see people get saved and serve the Lord. And see families that once were all over the map, couldn't find peace, find peace and contentment in Jesus Christ. You know, I look around our community and I can't help to think that there's families just like my family who are looking for answers. Oh yeah, it's out there. And it's just not one in the millions. There's a lot of them out there. But there's lots of messages they're hearing, isn't this? There's lots of things. Try this, try this, try this. Oh, this is the answer. Well, there's only one answer and His name is Jesus. And we have the responsibility to tell others about Him. Invite them to hear the message. Aren't you glad we get to be part of that? I am. The Lord has chosen us to serve Him. Let's serve.